Let me welcome you to the Hillside Church Sermon Podcast for May 3rd, 2020. My name is Pastor Joe Cheerhart, and I will be speaking this morning from the New Testament book of James, chapter 4. Possibly everyone listening has heard or seen quotes on the value or importance of planning ahead. Quotes such as, Those who fail to plan are planning to fail. Confucius has said, A man who does not think and plan long ahead will find trouble right at his door. Another one is, Never begin a day until it is finished on paper. And then we have this oft-used quote that references a very famous Bible story. Always plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. Now, business owners and managers spend a lot of their time planning for the future, don't they? Workers and families plan ahead for retirement years. Students are encouraged to plan for life after graduation. Some entrepreneurs have 5, 10, 20-year plans for the future. Planning ahead is probably one of the those matters that we all pretty much agree upon. But did you know there is a wrong kind of planning ahead? A certain kind of planning ahead that can lead to all kinds of trouble and heartache. If I were to tell you that there is a certain kind of planning ahead that you must avoid or prevent at all costs, would you want to know what that is? Well, the Bible talks about this dangerous type of planning ahead, and if we take precautions against it, we will, we will be so much happier and save ourselves so much trouble. And not only can you and your loved ones be happier, but you can help others avoid a lot of trouble and heartache in the same way. We are going to see some strong advice from the book of James, the New Testament book of James. He's attempting to correct some attitudes and actions that are taking people down the wrong road. And he is talking to them about future planning. I would like you to listen as I read from James chapter 4 and verses 13 and 14. If you have a Bible, it would be real helpful for you to even follow along. James chapter 4 and verses 13 and 14. He says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Well, you know, we've said before that James is a straight shooter when he uh, speaks to his people. And, in fact, he isn't even finished shooting yet. But before we move on, we need to look into these first two verses that we just read for just a few minutes. He's talking about people who are making some future business plans. And that sounds pretty simple, very reasonable. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? It's good to have a plan that you're going by. And there is nothing wrong with planning to make money. Money, uh, um, against what people often say, isn't evil. When we make money or possessions our idols, that's what makes things evil, but not money itself. 
But verse 14, the second verse, gives us a clue as to a big potential problem. He says in verse 14 again, after he tells them what the ones that say tomorrow we're going to go into a certain city and make money for a year, he says, Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. He's telling them they do not know the future, even tomorrow. Okay, but what's the problem? So we don't know tomorrow. Well, he goes on to say that their lives are a mist that appears for a short while, then just disappears, dissipates, vanishes. So he's talking about the brevity of human life. But he isn't just talking about those who die young. He's talking about the average person, the average lifespan of a human being. He's saying that life is short, even for someone who lives well into their 90s, who we would say had an extra long lifespan. James is saying that life on this earth is short. Now, when I compare my life to all of human history, I'm just here for one fleeting moment, aren't I? And so are you. Just think of how much has happened before we even arrived. And think of how much longer it may go on after we are gone. Our lives are a mist that is here momentarily, and then all of a sudden, we're gone. Now, having said that, that our time here is short, James is not saying that we are unimportant or that we are insignificant. In fact, we human beings are the pinnacle of God's creation. If you read carefully the creation account in the book of Genesis, his creation of mankind was the most important part of his creative work. God creates creates this unbelievable universe full of beauty and teeming with life. All different kinds of living creatures placed in life-sustaining environments of abundance and wonder and fullness and beauty. And at the end, he says, let us make mankind in our image. He's talking about the image of God himself. Wow! A whole new level of God's creative genius and power Mankind, created to rule over the earth and care for the earth as God's most special creature, given authority on the earth, and we were created originally to live forever and to take care of the earth forever. But when mankind sinned, we brought death into God's creation. And you have this element of evil and the judgment for that evil, and we have death as a result. So now we are here for only a short time. Even if one or two of us lives to be 100 or 114, our time here is relatively short. So then, what is James' point when he says that we don't really know what tomorrow will bring, and that our lifespan is like a mist that appears and then is all of a sudden gone. Well, he's talking to his readers about the business plans they are making, isn't he? 
That's the uh, context of what he's talking about. He's talking about how they are saying that today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain city, we're going to carry on business for a year and make money, which on its face sounds very normal, doesn't it? In fact, it sounds good. They want to work a business of some sort and they want to earn their money. So why the talk from James about the brevity of earthly life? What is he getting at here? Well, he sees in them something that will lead them into much trouble and heartache. And it becomes more clear in verses 15 and 16. He says, instead, and he's talking about, you know, how they they are saying, today or tomorrow we'll go into another city and we'll make money for a year and come back. But he says, what you ought to stay in what you ought to say instead is, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Okay, that adds a little more context, doesn't it? Remember in verse 14, he said, Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. You have no guarantee you will even be around tomorrow. Your life is a mist. And then in verse 15, he says, Instead, you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And as it is now, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. So James' problem with their planning is not that they are making plans or that they want to earn money. His problem is their arrogance and their mindset from which they are making their plans. They are making all sorts of plans without including any thought of God in their plans, as if they were in total control of what is going to happen, as if they could call all of the shots with no regard to God and his rule. You see, we can claim to be Christians or even go to church and use all the popular Christian phrases and still not include God in our lives or in our plans or in our decisions. James wants these who are professing Christians to realize and live as if God is a major part of their lives, that he is a part of their decision-making, that he is the one who ultimately is in control. And the reason he wants them to acknowledge that that God is the one who is actually in control is because he is. That is actual reality. God is eternal. He is infinite. He is all-powerful. He is the sovereign ruler over creation. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth and mankind. We exist only by his goodness and kindness. As earthly beings... We are very temporary. We are completely dependent on him for life and breath. When we begin thinking that we are the ones in charge, we begin heading for trouble. And that is why James is speaking so strongly, or maybe even harshly, to his people. 
He is watching them go off the rails of humility and submission into arrogant thinking and self-sufficiency. They are making their business plans as if they are in total control of all that happens. They are not leaving any room in their plans for God to play a part. From James' words, it's clear that their mindset is one of arrogance and complete self-sufficiency. No humility in their business planning. No dependence upon God in their hearts and minds. So it's not the fact that they are making plans or even that they are seeking to make money. It's the fact that they have no sense of who it is that is truly in control, of who they should be working for. Are they working as children of the king, ones who owe it all to God, or as ones who are out to promote themselves, who feel as though they have full control of how things will turn out? What we see throughout all of human history and that includes biblical history, of course, is people crowding God out of their lives, either forgetting or refusing to acknowledge God as the ultimate ruler of the universe, or becoming ungrateful for all that God has done for human humanity. Excuse me. I want you to listen to an account of some people who knew the truth but then chose to reject the truth about God. And I'm going to be reading from Romans chapter 1 and verses 18 through 24. It says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. You know, the Bible says, the heavens declare the glory of God. You know, it's like creation shouts the glory of God. But, these people have turned away from God as the creator. And then it goes on to say, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. And you know, when we leave God out of the picture, outside of our plans, out of our decisions, out of our daily lives, we begin to wander off into foolish thinking, into arrogance into immorality, even into denying obvious reality. Because in our minds, our hearts, we have left the bottom line truth about God and his supremacy and his rule and his goodness. I have mentioned before that one famous atheist was confronted with the question by someone who was discussing the idea of 
Atheism versus Christianity, he was asked, when you stand before God one day, even though the person asking knew that he didn't believe this, when you stand before God one day, what are you going to say to him after all these years of denying his existence? And this man said, I'm going to ask him, why did you work so hard at hiding yourself? And to me, that is just the ultimate of non-reality and of foolishness because the heavens declare the glory of God. And so when we leave God out of our plans, we are, in a sense, denying his reality. And James is telling his people, don't make plans as if you are the one in ultimate control. Make your plans but always leave room for God and make your plans with an attitude of submission to him as the king and creator. Don't arrogantly say, this year I will do this, the next year I will achieve this, and in five years I will have this accomplished. As if we are in control of all the factors. Make plans always realizing that God is in control of all of the factors. James says, if God wills. We don't know for certainty what our health will be like in five years. We don't know what the economy will be in three years. None of us know what that we would be facing a... I'm sorry. None of us knew that we would be facing a viral pandemic in 2019 and 20. That world events would have to be canceled or postponed that schools would close down for the spring semester and high school seniors would have to forfeit so much of what they were looking forward to, that churches would stop having Sunday services for months, that 30 million people would file for unemployment in the United States. And in fact, many Christian leaders are seeing this coronavirus pandemic as a wake-up call from God to put us on the alert that we are not in control to warn us to turn to him and acknowledge him as the one who ultimately controls all events, to help us restore some humility into our thinking. All of this is what James is trying to help his people to see, not to be drawn away into a false sense of self-sufficiency, not to fall into the trap of thinking we are the ones who determine all matters, and to be honest it is we who enjoy prosperity who need to really be on guard, isn't it? We are used to having so many comforts and resources and riches and enjoyments and leisure and entertainment. We of all people need to make certain we keep God in his proper place. Because when we fall or when we fail to acknowledge God for who he really is, we begin moving away from reality. We begin thinking unrealistically about ourselves. We begin to wander into dangerous territory. So James ends his teaching on planning for the future with verse 17. Listen as I read verse 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. A simple reminder, but again very straightforward, just like James always speaks, that if we know what God wants us to do, 
yet we choose not to do it, that's sin. That means, of course, that it is God's will that we must be, that we must follow, which means we must be knowledgeable of what God's will is, which means we must be into God's word. God's word will keep us on the right path. God's word will help us have the right mindset and attitudes. It will steer us away from prideful self-sufficiency. It will help us acknowledge God in all we do. May we be people of his word. May we walk by his wisdom and in step with his spirit. And may we experience the peace that passes understanding, even in very difficult times. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that you have promised us. We thank you that you are planning an age after this age where all those who trust in you will live eternally on a new heaven and under a new, well, in a new new earth, under a new heaven. And Father, we will be living with Christ as our King. And we thank you for that great hope. And now we pray that in this life, we would acknowledge that you are the King and we need to do things in order to follow you. Thank you for all you give us. Thank you for your word. Help us to be in it and know it and follow it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.